Has someone ever given you unsolicited advice about how to get pregnant or ways that you can conceive or what their diagnosis of you actually is, but this person has never struggled to conceive, they've never dealt with infertility, and they have no medical experience? I recently had a situation come up and I was immediately triggered. So in this episode, I felt like the Lord was calling me to do some deep work on myself and in return, share with you guys how to handle these situations, navigate these conversations where you get unsolicited advice but most importantly, how to cultivate an unoffendable heart yourself so that when this situation arises, we can truly be just the essence of Jesus and and, and be loving, be loving towards people who are not necessarily considering how we might be feeling on the receiving end of this advice. So let's dive into this Bible study today. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. Okay, so in my DMs, I tend to get random advice. I get a lot of unsolicited diagnosis or just fertility tips. And it's so funny because I'm not even trying to conceive right now. I'm actually sharing a lot of content related to the podcast and related to women trying to conceive, just really trying to be a lighthouse, be a vessel of encouragement and hope for women going through this season. Because when I was going through this, I really wish that I had had accounts that I followed that would point me back to Jesus, not just encourage me that, you know, one day I could be a mom and like, you know, kind of rah-rah me in the season. I wanted people to just be real and authentic and point me back to scripture. So that's what I'm trying to do on social media. But it's so funny because out of the woodwork comes all the advice and the unsolicited diagnoses from non-medical experts. Sometimes I, I usually handle it very lightheartedly. But every now and then I will get triggered by a message or by someone's advice and the way that they approach it. And I immediately had that happen this morning. It's a Saturday morning. I was hanging out with Highland and going through my DMs um, real quickly because I was responding to some um, new girls that are getting signed up to be a part of my coaching team. And I got a message. I opened it up and it was all about this account that this woman follows and how she helps women get their cycles back and start ovulating and conceive naturally, which in an ideal perfect world would be the perfect situation for me. However, I have never lost my cycle. I have never not had my period. I've always had a very regular, consistent period menstruation. And this girl has no idea to know that I've never had that or that I don't ovulate all the things, right? So immediately was triggered because it's not my situation. (laughs) And I just felt so frustrated. I was like, and then the second trigger for me was that she was talking specifically about over-exercising and dieting. 
which felt like an extreme trigger and extremely offensive to me because obviously that's my full-time job. I'm an online health and wellness coach and I make a living supporting women in their health and wellness journeys. And I'm very specific about how I go about helping women steward their health and fitness and how I personally steward my health and fitness. I did not have a good relationship with food before becoming a coach um, and partnering with the company that I partner with. And I never have over-exercised, honestly, because I just don't have time for that. (laughs) Anyway, so it was just uh, like a double whammy type of a trigger. And my heart immediately was offended. And I immediately responded like, that is not my situation. I know that you said you mean well and that you have good intentions, but it just really triggered me because this is what I do. Like I am so passionate about this. I have a lot of experience. I've done a lot of research. I've also been on my fertility journey for seven years before Highland. So it's not like I was unaware of various options. I have truly explored every nook and cranny to conceive naturally. So I just think it's really interesting when women give this advice who have never been down the path of infertility. They've never struggled to conceive. Um, they've never sat in our shoes and and yet they want to offer their advice. They want to offer diagnoses and, and whatnot. And listen, I 100% believe that specifically women who are in your corner, like I truly believe that they have a heart that's good. Like they want us to be pregnant. They it comes from a good place. Like they are in our corner. They want us to conceive like all, all the people giving us advice and stuff. It's, it does truly deep down come from a good place because ultimately they want what you want. They want you to have a baby. Like we want to have a baby, right? However, when you receive advice from somebody who's never walked in your shoes, it's just triggering in general because you're just like, you don't understand. Like you literally don't understand. You cannot fathom what it's like to receive advice about how to conceive naturally when you have been doing and looking at all of the things. Google is our best friend. We're looking up how to conceive. We're looking up various, um, you know, holistic practices and anything and everything that we can try before the big guns get brought out with IVF. I feel like I could speak for all of us that we have truly exhausted all resources for the most part before jumping into fertility treatments, specifically because it's extremely expensive. Like who wants to spend that kind of money if there's other paths that they can take to get to the end result before that? It is difficult to receive. And I know I'm not alone in receiving that unsolicited advice. So really today I want to dive in to kind of assess and doctor my own heart while also sharing what I feel like, you know, God would, if we were having a sit down conversation, I feel like the Lord kind of just sat me down was like, Courtney, why are you escalating this? Like you are reacting in anger, you're reacting in frustration and you don't have to choose that. There's another choice on the table. So that's what I want to dive in today. I want to dive into walking us through how to have an unoffendable heart in our waiting seasons when people are offering unsolicited advice or diagnoses or trying to connect and relate to us, which really does come from a good place, but where it's hard to receive because they don't know the ins and outs. People from the outside don't know that I've had my cycle every single month. I've never missed a month, which makes honestly trying to conceive even harder because you have a reminder every month you're flat out on your back from cramps and you've got your period and it just sucks. Like obviously it's very clear I'm not pregnant. So I have had that every single month. People cannot tell what your relationship you know, is like in all of my workouts. I never exercise more than 
45 minutes to an hour at the most. And even in this season of life, I'm much more time efficient in doing stuff that's serving my body because I have done research into it. So we're going to dive into that today. I'm going to get into some scripture that's going to really help us pivot our hearts because we cannot control what other people do. I cannot control people coming into my DMs and giving me advice. I can't control their, their thoughts and their feelings. And I can't control that, but I can control me. I can control how I respond. I can control having an offendable heart, which honestly, an offendable heart is only going to impact me. It's only going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt the other person. It's just going to create dissension and division if I choose to react and lash out um, out of my anger. So we have to deal with this heart issue because we are the ones suffering when we choose to let offense fracture our feelings and really cultivate roots of anger, bitterness, and rage. And I know rage is kind of an extreme word. It sounds a little dramatic, but I feel like sometimes we can really get there. Sometimes if you just hit the right button, boom, it could just pop us off. You never know. So we're going to dive into it. The first thing I want to talk about is that offense leads to overreaction. When we overreact and go through certain circumstances where someone triggers us, we tend to play the scenario over and over again in our head. We start imagining things. We add stuff in. We start putting voices to things that weren't there in the first place. And it honestly, it cultivates roots of, like I mentioned before, anger, bitterness, rage, which leads to further fragmentation, division of our church body, or even just relationships. Um, And so God's word really does address these feelings of anger, bitterness, and rage, which comes from the offense. So when we choose to be offended by something, it cultivates in us negative feelings. When we have those negative feelings, we have to address them because it's not what God has called us to. So in Ecclesiastes 7, 9, we see that God has asked us to be slow to anger. When we react in offense and we start replaying scenarios in our head, we are not being slow to anger. We're actually burning that anger up and increasing the gas to the fire where it's growing and growing. And then if we open up our Bibles to Ephesians 4 31, it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Wow. That's intense, right? Let it be put away from you. Colossians 3 8 says to put away anger, wrath, and malice and slander from your mouth. So when we react verbally out of anger, wrath, or malice, or we want to just slander a situation or someone behind their back, that is coming from having a heart of offense. We are called to step away from that. So how do we do that? That's going to be step two. So step number one is knowing that it leads to overreaction. Step number two is asking, how do we do this? Well, we do this by knowing our history and having awareness of what's been done for us while understanding what our commitment to follow Jesus actually means. That's how we're going to transform our heart. So I want to dive into John chapter eight. This is where the woman is caught in adultery. And so if we open up our Bibles there, we're going to see that Jesus comes across this woman. He is being told, Jesus is being told, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. And then they bring up the law of Moses and they they are doing this to test Jesus and to see if he can bring a charge against Jesus. Jesus is not baited. He bends down and he writes with his finger on the ground. As they continue to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he 
bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And then Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go on and sin no more. Wow. So like basically at this point, the reason I wanted to bring up John chapter eight is because when we choose to have offense towards people, we are putting ourselves on a pedestal and acting as if we have never offended other people. This right here shows us that we are not without sin ourselves. So to have an unforgiving heart, to have anger, to lash out in malice, to slander somebody else is to put ourselves in a position that we don't belong in. We are not any better than anybody else. When someone comes into my DMs, like I have to remember, Courtney, you are not any better than anybody else. You too have been forgiven. You too were at once condemned. And so to condemn somebody else, to then be offended by them, I am choosing to say that I don't know my history. Like I'm ignoring the fact that I have been forgiven of sin myself, that I I do sin against other people. So when I am in that position, I have to understand, I have to go back to verses like this where I recognize my history. I recognize where I come from and I'm humbled by that because an offended heart is choosing pride. An offended heart is saying, I am better than you. My feelings matter more than your feelings and I'm going to react in this moment because I need self-preservation. When Jesus has told us, none of you are righteous, not even one. So to choose pride and to choose self-preservation over selflessness, to choose it over forgiveness, to choose it over humility, which are the things I've called you to, is to choose to put on your flesh, to not put on the inheritance that Christ has given us. So I love that chunk of the Bible, that, that story, because it shows what Jesus has not only done for us, but it also shows how we should be interacting among each other, that none of us are better than the other, and that just because someone did offend you in that moment does not mean that they are below your forgiveness or that they're below you. So that's step two is knowing our history. The third step is awareness of what's been done for us. And this can be found right after that verse in Ephesians, mentioned it just before Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness, wrath, and anger and clamor be put away from you along with malice. Okay, so if we go to verse 32, it tells us not to be angry. It actually tells us the opposite, to be kind, compassionate, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, right as God has forgiven you. So this is putting on awareness of what has been done for us. So not only do we recognize our history and where we come from, that we are no better than anybody else. That was that step two. But step three is now saying, I'm actually going to be tender-hearted towards the people who offend me. Because when I'm triggered, I don't feel any compassion. I don't feel any kindness. I am definitely not tender-hearted. I am like accusing. I'm starting to point fingers. I'm starting to get aggressive and mad and like, I am going from zero to 100 real quick. Sassy corny can come up in a hot second and not having control over that temper, not having control over my feelings. Just because I'm going through a hard season does not entitle me as a victim, quote unquote. Like we can play the victim card so much, but culturally, if we are living according to scripture, we are no longer the victim. Jesus has set us free from that. We are the victor. So knowing that we cannot just play the victim card. We can't just say, well, I'm hurting. So there 
therefore you have no right to say what you said to me. And I have every right to react in anger, to react in malice, and to be aggressive with you. That is not biblical. Even if we're going through the hardest of hard times, your heartache and infertility, it is justified. It is hard. I get that. I've walked that. I am still triggered by it to this day, like as I shared with you this morning. But it doesn't give me a right or a free pass to react opposite of what God has called me to in the Bible. God has called me to be tenderhearted, kind, and compassionate. When I react to people and have an offensive heart and then I like unload my anger on them, And how dare they say those things where I just cut someone out of my life because it's easier to do that than to have a conversation about what I'm going through and how that was like hurtful and just have reconciliation. I am choosing not to put on what Christ has set me free from. I am choosing not to be aware of what's been done for me. I may have those feelings of anger and frustration and offense, but I don't have to act in those things. I can actually act and choose something other than that. I can choose tenderheartedness and say, I know that you didn't mean to hurt me, but this is why it did hurt. I know that you had good intentions here, but here's why I would prefer if I didn't receive advice on how to go through this, because here is what I am trying to do. It takes stop your emotions, the emotional train that just starts going once we get offended. You got to put a stop on that right in its tracks and say, actually, Christ has called me to more than this. He's called me to put that aside and to choose tenderheartedness. So thank you for caring so much about me trying to get pregnant. Thank you so much for caring about me trying to conceive. However, this message was hard to hear because here is what I am doing. And there's so much that's unseen that I don't share. And so thank you. Thank you so much for caring. But in this moment, this is how you can actually support me instead. I would love if you could just pray for me. I would love if you could just send me some encouragement here and there about hope or about how we have hope in Jesus X, Y, and Z. Give them an alternative. Don't just react in anger, choose tenderheartedness and give them an alternative. And then the last step of the process of really pivoting our heart is knowing what it means to be committed to following Jesus. And this is hard. (laughs) I think it's a daily battle, you guys, but I just oh man, like thinking about Jesus and what he's done for us, like it should change our hearts and immediately humble us. So here's what it means to follow Jesus. If we look at the washing of the feet of the 12 disciples. So Jesus actually washed Judas's feet. Judas was his betrayer. He's the person who handed Jesus in at the end of the day and he chose to wash his feet at the Passover. He knew what Judas was going to do. He knew who Judas was and yet he still chose to display what we read in Ephesians, being tenderhearted, to not put himself above Judas, to be selfless. And he said, I love you and you've done nothing for me. You've actually done the opposite. You're betraying me in the future here, just within the next 24 hours. But I'm going to treat you like I treat everybody else. I'm gonna treat you like the people who love me the most. I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. And I'm gonna wash your feet. I am going to love you and I'm gonna stand by you and I'm gonna say that you are still mine, even though you choose something opposite. And that is just such a beautiful picture because when we choose to respond to people with an unoffendable heart, you are choosing not to be offended by what they say to you, what they do to 
you, how they're reacting to you. That's choosing to be committed to Jesus. When we said we follow Jesus, it didn't mean when it's only good, when people are only nice to us, when people are only gonna love us the way that we love them. It didn't mean any of those things. It meant period. There's no conditions. There's no commas after this. There's no semicolons. The sentence doesn't continue. I'm following you. And your example is that you wash the feet of the people who despise you. You wash the feet of the people who reject you. You wash the feet of the people who betray you when you did nothing but love them. Wow. Like, am I doing that in my response to people? Am I choosing to lay aside my pride, to lay aside my feelings, even in this really difficult time? Like Jesus knew what was before him. He knew the cross was before him. He knew that God would turn his back on him when he was on that cross. Like, do you know what that must have felt like to have your father turn his back? And Jesus literally whispered, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus shows us what it means to love people without condition. And as Christ followers, when we made that commitment, we also committed to loving people the way he loved people. And I am preaching to myself here. Obviously, I was very triggered this morning by that message. And I don't think I necessarily responded in love. I don't resp- I didn't respond horribly, but I didn't respond in love. I didn't meet her with tenderheartedness. I didn't meet her with compassion. Our goal should be to love people the way that Jesus loved people because it is our identity. It's our inheritance. It's who were called to be. Jesus couldn't deny who he was when he knew the truth about Judas. He couldn't deny that. He still showed up and washed his feet. He still included him, even though he knew the truth. He could have just asked him to leave. He could have said, this is for the people that love me. This is for the people that support me. Like, I'm going to block you. <laughs> like, we're such a quick fix culture right now. We're just like, okay, block, unfollow, like mute, all the things. I think we miss the element of refinement when we do those things, when we're so hasty to cut people out because of what they said or done to us, instead of choosing reconciliation, instead of choosing tenderheartedness, instead of choosing forgiveness, to say, okay, he who has perfection cast the first stone like Jesus did to the woman caught in adultery. Jesus's life shows us exactly how to have an unoffendable heart because he was nonstop offended. People made fun of him. People accused him. People ridiculed him. People sent him to the cross and he suffered for our sake. So to say that we are entitled to our feelings of anger to our feelings of offense is not actually truth. That's a lie from the enemy. You are not entitled to those feelings. Those feelings were dealt with. Anger is actually a sin. Slandering somebody is actually a sin. So those those things have been dealt with on the cross. If we choose to white knuckle those feelings of offense, we are choosing our sin and our history and our path over the future that Christ has given us, the freedom that Christ has given us, and the newness that Christ has given us. The newness is forgiveness. The newness is humility. The newness is redemption in those moments and tenderheartedness for people who offend us. We have a choice on the table, not just to be offended, not just to respond in anger, not just to create more fraction and more division, but to stop it in its track, to say, I don't have to be offended by this. Lord, help me shift my heart in this moment. This person does not understand what they're saying to me. I was triggered, God, so I just pray that you would humble me in this moment to see this person with the eyes that you have for them because you love them. Give me the grace to respond in love and kindness and compassion because you've called me to this. If we don't take a moment to respond in prayer and speak with the Lord about a situation that immediately triggers
triggers us and offends us, then we are not taking advantage of the helper that we've been given through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when he left, he was not going to leave us alone. He gave us the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf so that we could walk in the truth, so that we could walk in redemption, so that we could walk in the newness of our character and our identity to that which we've been called to, that we've been given. So put off all of the weight that entangles you. Going through infertility and trying to conceive is already hard. To start cutting people out, to start isolating yourself, that's what the enemy wants. But we don't have to choose to be triggered. And we don't have to choose to let our diagnosis or our experience with infertility dictate the feelings that we live with every single day. Because an offensive heart that has bitterness and anger and just destruction, that is only going to hurt you. It is not going to hurt anybody else. So choose to deal with it with Jesus, not with a person who accidentally offended you. At the end of the day, we have to recognize that offense leads to overreaction and feelings that will only fillet your heart even more. And we don't need that on this journey. So we stop that by knowing our history, John 8, becoming aware of what has been done for us, Ephesians 4:32, and understanding what our commitment to follow Jesus means. And that's the washing of the disciples' feet, what he did for Judas. I hope that this encourages you. If it does, please screenshot this episode and share it in your Instagram stories or send it to a friend and then take a second and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really does just help us get this message out to more people. I really just want to be a vessel for what the Lord is even teaching me. Like I shared with you guys, I am not perfect. I had that moment and I am preaching to myself today because this was the message I needed to hear this morning. All right, I'm praying for you, girl. I'll talk to you in the next episode. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength, or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.